our homes should be our haven. That Mm -hmm. should be the place you want to go to at the end of the day. That should be the place you want loved ones to come and surround you. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty horrible feeling to come home every day to a home that makes you exhausted by looking at it, that makes you stressed out by looking at it, and that makes you not want to do anything but just go to bed. Right. Welcome to How to Smile Again, a podcast I created to help you go from surviving to thriving. I'm your host, Connie Dickerson, and I struggled for years with depression, anxiety, PTSD, and substance abuse. I finally got clean and sober, but all of that underlying devastation was still there. I got to work, beginning a lifelong journey of healing, recovery, and growth, and you can too. I found the will to live and the will to aim higher, to pursue a life I love. Join me as I help you design a life not just worth living, a life worth loving. Hey guys, I am super excited for today's episode because we have a guest here on the How to Smile Again podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with entrepreneur, writer, and leading expert in her field as a professional declutterer and organizer, Sherry Cotton. We're getting into how our mental health is affected by our things, affected by our clutter. And bear with us because we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we have some really great stuff for you today. So let's get right into it. So Sherry, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So you started your decluttering and organizing business in 2018, correct? Yes. And you branded yourself Miracle Spaces. I love that, by the way. Mm, Thank Um, you. So tell us, if you would, a little bit about yourself, about Miracle Spaces, and what is it exactly that you do? Okay, thank you. I am a wife, a mother, a grandmother. I'm currently based in Nashville. Miracle Spaces is the business I started to help clients declutter and get organized. And what do I do? That That's exactly it. Basically, I help clients get out from under their clutter, get in control mm. of their homes, reclaim their homes again. And the best, best part that I love the most is when a client falls in love with their home again. And oh, I, can I help love them. that. I love that. Um. That's so great. So I want to go back to the beginning a little bit, too. Okay. How did Miracle Spaces come about? Uh, What got you interested? What got you started in decluttering and organizing? Is this just a whim? Is this something you've always done? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. In a way, it's something I've always done. And then starting a business was almost a whim. But I've always loved organizing and getting things neat and tidy. I love bringing order out of chaos. And I did that, you know, in my own home for years, raising children, homeschooling children. And then there were multiple occasions that I would do that for friends or family. They would ask me, hey, can you help me organize my pantry or my closet or something like that? So it was kind of organic to move that into a full-blown business. That's exactly how it happened. So I love doing that. But then it was in 2018 when my last child left home that I was really thinking Mm. about it and wondering, could I really do this like a Mm -hmm. full-time business? (laughs) And so that's really how it got started. 2018, I decided to go full-time and do it really as a business instead of just a side hobby. 
That's so great. So you took a side hobby, something you're just good at. And now, you guys, Sherry is getting flown state to state across the country by clients who need her services. That's how she's able to be here with me live today, which I'm so excited about because um, she was flown from Tennessee to Oregon recently. And then you are actually here in Virginia. Yeah. For a client but, also, uh-huh. so I'm so glad you're able to be here with us today. Um, so why the name Miracle Spaces? Ooh, I thought about that name for a long time, wondering what do I what do I name my business? And it was just over a period of time that I realized that's what I want to do. I want to take something that seems really common and no big deal to me, but to a client, it's a miracle to them. So mm-hmm. when I can take a kitchen countertop that's messy and cluttered and get it clutter-free and tidy, that's a miracle to them. So I just, I really like the way that rang and I went with that and called it Miracle Spaces. I love it. I am here for it. (laughs) Um, So as far as who you help, who you work with, it seems to me you kind of have two general categories of clients. You seem to have like your average person who's just overwhelmed with clutter and needs that, that boost, that extra like help to get them past that and get get back in control of their things instead of their things owning them the other way around. Um, And you see varying degrees of that. But then you've also moved into working with people who struggle with hoarding disorder and have extreme levels of hoarding. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you move into that space? And tell us a little bit about your clients. Well, you're right. It does range uh, quite the variety of, you know, a busy mom of young children that just needs help getting on top of things in the house um, to working professionals who aren't home enough to do things all the way to more severe clutter and hoarding tendencies. Mm -hmm. And those came about really by, I have been sought out and then with referrals too. So that's how that's come about. And yes, I've had more and more of those with hoarding tendencies. That's amazing. Um, does your approach differ with somebody who just is trying to get back on top of their clutter versus somebody who has more extreme versions of that? Definitely, it does. And I've learned so much um, working with those with hoarding tendencies and those with, I've had several <laughs> clients with mental illness. Mm. And so learning about that has helped me so much in working with clients with hoarding because it usually goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a different approach, um, different approach for um, ages, uh, right. you know, and then just your basic help. I can't get on top of this. I just need you to get me, you know, back on top of this and I'm good. And then with the more extreme clutter hoarding issues, it is a different approach. It usually takes longer. Um, people are are more attached to their things. So the process is just a little different uh, and, and requires a lot of patience and, and understanding. And to, to under, in order to understand, it helps to know the story. And there's nothing um, more, more of a privilege than someone feeling safe to tell me the story mm-hmm. that helps me to understand, which then in turn, I can help them. That reminds me of a post you put on your um, on your social media, Instagram and Facebook, I think a couple weeks ago, and it said, um, "Shame dies when stories are told in safe places." Tell us a little bit about the shame aspect of people who struggle with clutter. That is 
so keen. Uh, it's it's so common with the hoarding, mm-hmm. extreme clutter. And and that's another reason how it gets so extreme is because people are embarrassed to ask for help. Right. There is shame. I've um, had a client. Is it okay to share stories? Absolutely. Please. I, real life stories. I had a client who sought me. She heard about me and invited me to her home. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, great. This is like any other client. You go to the home. You go in and I do my thing. But I realized when she opened the door... She had to back up for me to get in the door mm. and for me to have a place to stand. Mm. I had to walk in her tracks to get to the couch. There, w- There's no room for anything outside of a little path. Wow. And she was so sh- ashamed. She was mm. embarrassed. And she told me she was. And understanding that better helped me so much and and it's it's just such a privilege to be able to be that safe place for them to talk to and because I'm not there to shame them I'm there to help them and one of the things I was able to help this specific client with as she's apologizing to me Mm. and saying how embarrassed she is and she feels bad for me working there I reminded her I said no you letting me work here you're blessing me because this is what I do. This is right. what I'm good at. So thank you for that allowing me. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it helped her ease up a little bit on That's herself huge. and and be not just okay with me being there, but, but glad I was there. Oh, that's so huge. So I follow you on social media, as I just oh, mentioned. Thank you. I see the before and after pictures. Mm-hmm. So I see the impact that's being made. It's incredible. Some of the things I'm like, that can't be the same place. Um, Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I love seeing it. It's very satisfying. And I'm really waiting and excited for some video content also. Because I've mainly seen before and after After pictures. pictures. I would love to see some video. Um, Okay. So was there a moment for you that really hit you just how impactful this work you're doing is? Like... Because, yeah, the before and afters are great, but did you did it ever hit you in a moment or with a certain client that, like, wow, this isn't just, like, hey, this is nice, a little weight off, and my home's tidier and easier to keep it that way, mm-hmm. but, like, mm-hmm. no, this is life-changing. This is incredibly impactful. Was there a moment, or is this something you've always known? Uh, n- neither. Not a moment, and it wasn't something I've always known, but I will say it was more of an unfolding. Mm-hmm. And over time, as I realized more and more that it went beyond, oh, great, that was helpful. You got my cabinets cleared to more life changing. Like it mm-hmm. literally changes some people's entire lives. Some people aren't just annoyed with the clutter they can't seem to get on top of, but they're dying under their clutter. Literally. Literally, they are. So helping someone with extreme clutter and hoarding issues is a really big deal to them. Mm -hmm. It is a miracle. It is life-changing, and it gives them hope, and that is the most rewarding thing. I think when we say life-changing... That's so commonly used, but really the word that comes to mind for me is the massive improvement of quality of life. Mm, Yes. 
excuse me, and that's why you were saying the hope isn't just, oh, I now believe that, like, I can live in a manageable space, and I hope, I have hope, and I believe that I can continue to keep it this way. It runs deeper than that. It it expands to all parts of their life, and I think that speaks to because of how drastically it improves quality of life. Right. Well, look at it this way. Some of these people have lived alone in their homes for years and decades, and no one has come in their home Mm -hmm. because they're too embarrassed. So friends, family, loved ones, they don't ever have them over. So mm-hmm. to to be able to use their living room again, to have it's their freedom. dining room table uncovered, and to think about, I could have my friend over. That is huge for them. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the part of all the safety issues, the fall risk, the oh. fire hazards. Um, I was in a client's house recently that her AC runs constantly and it's stuffy and hot constantly. And as I've gone, I've just discovered every vent is covered. There is mm. stuff over every vent. So as I uncover things and free that up, you know, there, her air conditioner is going to work better. Her bill will be better. Right. And and also being able. The fire hazard there. Oh, mm. yeah. And to, to allow repairmen <laughs> in. Because she said it's been years since she's allowed anyone in her home. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It is. Wow. All right. So let's move forward because we could keep talking about that (laughs) all night. Why do some people hire an organizer or get organized themselves? And I know for everyone, that's not even possible. But the people who have tried, like I've spent my whole life trying to get organized. And every time I feel super organized and I get everything in their bins and get everything together and labeled six months later or a month later. Right back to where I started. Why does that happen to some people? What is the difference? Um, What sets you apart in what you do? And why does Mm. just organizing not work? Why does that not create that lasting impact? That's a good question. And I think it's one even clients, homeowners ask themselves, why doesn't this work? I got this all organized last year. And I think it's because we're trying to organize too much stuff. And most of us have too much stuff. So if you're trying to organize stuff that doesn't even fit into the container provided, which is either your dresser or your closet or your kitchen or your home, if you have Mm -hmm. more stuff than you have home to store it, you can organize all day and night and it still isn't going to work. It won't stay that way. So that's the difference of one thing I do is I won't organize before I declutter. Mm. The decluttering process comes first. Once that's done, organizing is so much easier. And then after that, you can also, it's easier to keep clean. Right. That makes so much sense because otherwise you're just organizing your clutter, moving it around. Right. (laughs) Moving it around and storing it or paying to store stuff you're not using. Wow. But yeah. there's there's one more third aspect to it that I would say is probably different than some people is that after I declutter, then I organize. I would be doing my clients a disservice if I left then without setting up systems for certain things, especially mm. things that they specifically have problems with. For example, you bring in your mail every day and it ends up on the corner of the dining room table. Mm -hmm. The mail, (laughs) 
maybe, you know, the kids' school stuff, and it comes there. So I can help them go drop through zone. that. It just, it just, yeah, it's a drop zone. I can help them go through that and declutter and trash it and, and categorize it. I can organize it. And then I can leave. But you know what's going to happen next week? It'll just go right back to being a problem area. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So depending on what the pain points are for that client, my job is also to help find solutions for that more long term. So setting up systems for them is really important. That is such a key part of that. Let's move on and talk about why do people have clutter? How do we get to that point of being overwhelmed by our things? Um, What do some people have clutter, some people don't? Why do we get to that point? How do we get there where we're where we're overwhelmed by our things. Mm-hmm. Is that just, oh, you're lazy and you're dirty and you don't know how to clean up after yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it goes deeper than that. How do people get overwhelmed by their clutter? I would say that, first of all, we are Americans. <laughs> we live in America, the land of excess. So mm. pretty much across the board, we all have too much stuff. We all definitely have more than we need. So that. You, you think about how we are bombarded every day that beating on in our head that we need more. Mm-hmm. We need this. We need mm-hmm. that. So there's there's that aspect. And then there's the part where somebody's just busy. They have a crazy schedule. They have a lot of kids or, or whatever the scenario is. And they're just not staying on top of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of builds. And then you could also say that a lot of times clutter first starts with laziness and that's not across the board it's not everybody but if you think about it I'm sure you've done this I've done it I get ready for bed at night I sit on the edge of my bed I take my socks off and I'm just beat I'm done and I just leave them right there go to bed (laughs) you've done that yeah then the next morning you get up get out of bed take your pjs off and just kind of let them drop to the floor you know the socks are already there so you don't feel too bad adding your PJs (laughs) and you get dressed and do your thing and race out the door and you come home later that night and you kick your flip-flops off and just let them go there too. The fact is that clutter attracts clutter. Oh my God, yes. It really does. So when we get a little bit sloppy, a little bit lazy, before you know it, you have piles you never intended. You don't like but it just happens. Clutter attracts clutter. If you've left several outfits on the floor and then one night you drop a Q-tip, that is going to be no big deal to you to go pick that up. There's all several outfits right. on the floor and shoes where if your floor is clean and you dropped a like, Q-tip, oh, pick yeah, you that pick it up because so it sense. sticks out. Immediate current example. <laughs> right now, um, I'm in the middle of switching out summer winter clothes, mm-hmm. you know, taking my spring and summer stuff, boxing it up and getting out my fall and winter stuff. So I got my spring and summer stuff packed up and I got these two Rubbermaids I have of um, my fall and winter stuff, you know, coats and jackets and winter clothes. And I got through one of them, but then my week got really busy. So the other two bins are still in the bedroom and next thing I know, a week later, they have, like, <laughs> mysteriously collected a lot of other clothes. Like, the clothes I wear take off at the end of the night. Draped not over the dirty, bins? 
But, like, am I going to fold them and put them in my drawer? Apparently not, because they're there draped over the bins right now. (laughs) As we speak. So there's a real-life example of what I'm saying. Right. And we're about to get into the, the bulk of the content, which is how does our mental health, how is it affected by our clutter? How does the clutter affect our mental health? But before we get into that, I want to get a little deeper into this and talk about how our mental health affects our clutter. Um, Like you said, you have a lot of clients, you've worked with several clients who struggle with mental illness. In my personal experience, myself and everyone I know (laughs) who struggles with um, depression, executive dysfunction, PTSD, anxiety, um, tend to also struggle with this. Mm. So not only... Are we going to talk about how clutter affects our mental health, but our our mental health affects our clutter? Um, When I get into depressive states, when I go through um, periods of depression, used to be much worse in the past, my clutter tends to take off. Mm -hmm. I'm not staying on top of things. And um, so sometimes, yes, especially like when I'm doing well, me dropping my socks on the bed next to me at night is totally just laziness. But then there's the times um, for those of us with depression, with executive dysfunction, where especially if you already have a baseline of clutter, looking around at that is so overwhelming. Yes. Especially when the thought of, for the people that getting up and taking a shower is exhausting alone making your bed mm-hmm. is exhausting alone things beyond that are so difficult so i think it's important to acknowledge that for definitely not for everybody but for me that was my experience and i've seen it in a lot of other people's lives that that's how they got to the point of the clutter and i love that you approach your clients with so much compassion and you have an understanding of that because you have worked with so many people like that and you have experienced that through your clients um, and you know that hoarding disorder is a mental illness diagnosis in and of itself so by definition that's a mental illness but I love hearing you talk about how compassionate and understanding you are of the the overwhelm factor because for me I would sit on my floor trying to go through things at 16 17 trying to go through things because my room was nothing but clutter and I'm overwhelmed by it and I would get started and I would fall asleep because it was so overwhelming my body just shut down Mm -hmm. um and I love hearing you talk about how you're able to help people push through that and give them freedom from their things and from their overwhelm that's a that's a really important (coughs) thing and I love being able to help them with that I think I had I I did have experience um, years ago with my own family of some mental illness issues Mm -hmm. that, and that is where I first learned the whole concept of it's not so much about rebellion or attitude. It was the word capacity that Mm -hmm. I I learned Mm -hmm. and to understand that it really is that some people at certain times of their life 
or of the month or of this year or whatever they're going through. They literally don't have the capacity to put their laundry away, to make their bed. I mean, they're doing great to brush their teeth. That's a big deal. So understanding capacity that not everybody has that and working within that has been hugely helpful for me in being able to help clients. The other thing is trying to remind them and encourage people that there is zero shame in asking for help. In fact, on the contrary of that, that's a big deal when somebody can does. I'm so stinking proud of clients who... It's huge. It's huge. Yes. Reach out and say, I can't do this. I need help. That takes a lot of courage. And then in turn, them doing that, look what you're offering me. You're offering me the ability to do what I do. I can help you. So I love when clients ask for help. And that's what I wish I could get the message out there more of, y'all, please ask for help. There's people like me who do. That's what we do. We help people. We're here to help you. Yes. I love that. So what effects do you see your clients struggle with as a result of their clutter? You already touched a bit on the insane electric bill because of blocked vents and the fire hazard and the trip hazards, um, fall risks, all of that. But in terms of mental health, in terms of functionality, what effects do you see caused by our clutter? Um, It changes the way people eat. Yeah. Elaborate on that. Okay. So I had a client one time who I could tell she cooked or she used to cook. And in conversation, we we were working in her kitchen. She loves to cook and she has all the pots and pans. You, You could just tell she cooked, but her kitchen had become so full and overflowing and stuffed to the brim with stuff. Mm that she couldn't so Mm. she changed the way she shopped she started buying packaged instant food and she told me she missed cooking so I that was interesting to learn that you have so much stuff in here that you can't even she you couldn't even see your stove it was so covered so she couldn't get to it couldn't see the kitchen sink Um, the pantry was spilling out onto the floor she wasn't even using those ingredients. She was buying ready-made quick food mm-hmm. and eating that. So it, it changes the way people eat. It changes their social. It also not only changed the way she eat, that robbed her of a hobby a of joy, something she yes. loved in life. Wow. It changes people socially. They no longer have people in their homes, even mm-hmm. including their own children. Mm. I've, I've witnessed mm. that. Um, you may or may not be allowed in her own children You're supposed to call ahead and someday she's too embarrassed to let you in so it changes them socially but most of all when you're surrounded by stuff that you can't do anything with yet you feel like you should be that is what weighs people down it the depression becomes so overpowering and overbearing that they can't get past it. They just live in that and it's just like a weight. So the opposite is almost more telling of with a client I was working with one time she stood at the door as I carried bag after bag after bag out of her house 
And she says, I feel like each bag that goes out is a weight off my shoulders. So think of it when the clutter is leaving, how light they feel. That's freeing. It is. Yeah. Well, you've also, um, going back to the, the clients you work with and our mental health affecting our clutter and the reasons we get clutter, you've also worked with people in various stages of grieving the loss of a loved one. Yes. Um, I imagine, so not only is removing clutter from your home freeing in and of itself, but when that is part of the grieving process and moving on, how have you seen that yes. come into play? Well, it frees people up from living in the past. And when mm. you're free from that, you're free to embrace the present and the future. And you're you're open, you're available for what life has for you right now instead of living in a past which you can't relive. Mm-hmm. So that is an, uh, another benefit of help so, getting help that way. I want to touch on this a little more before we move on. You've talked about, you've had, we were talking during the break, and you've had a, several clients or a few clients with um, who are in that situation of moving on, grieving a loved one. And you've worked with them in various capacities in terms of years and years later, it's time to um, go through and let go of the spouse's things Mm -hmm. and clothes. Then you've also worked with clients who it's a more recent loss. And because of the loss, because of the grieving time, that's how their house got overwhelming and cluttered. Um, And I just, I think that's so beautiful that you're able to be there for people during that time. Um. Yeah, I that is actually interesting that you said that because that's one thing they've told me when they're ready to go through this stuff, but they need help. When we're going through, say, um, this woman's husband who passed away, where she's ready to four years later to go through his closet, his stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, those are just suit jackets in there. I have zero emotional attachment to them. For her, every one of them represent her husband. She Mm -hmm. can still smell him. Mm. And so it's easy for her to just like, nope, I can't do this and hang them back up. But she also truly wants to get them gone and to move on. So me being there with her, doing it with her was so helpful. And she said, I couldn't do this by myself. Mm. So, yeah, everybody has a different stage and when they're ready to let go. But so many people just need help doing it. Just somebody right. with them to do it with them. To not go through it alone. Right. That's so huge. Mm-hmm. Wow. In my past, um, well, a little bit in my current, too. As I shared with my seasonal clothes swapping, um, <laughs> clutter is something that still affects me and is still part of my life. And the ways that it affects me... When I have, when I go through periods where my capacity is limited, mm-hmm. whether that's just, I'm feeling fine, but my schedules gets crazy. So my literal time at home and my exhaustion levels at home, exhaustion levels, um, lower my capacity or whether that's I'm going through a hard time or I'm experiencing physical or mental symptoms, um, <clears throat> capacity drops. I'm not able to stay as on top of things but 
The annoying ass part is <laughs> when my capacity drops and my things begin to pile up, my counters get stuff on them, my kitchen table, my bedroom, um, it makes my capacity drop lower. Uh -huh. um, okay, for example, specifically if I'm in a depression episode, if I go into that space and my home is already cluttered and overwhelming, that is just one more way that I'm just drowning. Mm. Where if I'm going into a, a bit of a depressive spell or a depressive episode, but my home is good, I'm good, I've been on top of it, things may get a little out of hand during this time because mine can last up to a few months. Um, sometimes just a week or two. Things may get a little out of hand, but it's not just instantly, as soon as these feelings start setting in, it's not, well, everything else is fucked too. Like, my house is already trashed, so there's no point. And that goes back to what you were saying also about systems in place. When I have a clean slate starting with, when I'm starting with a clean house, when I'm starting with clear countertops, and I have these systems in place, that has made it a lot easier to navigate these mm. more difficult periods in my life. Not quite so drowning feeling. Right, not so, not quite so drowning, exactly. So if I am struggling and I'm coming home and my counters are already clear though, my kitchen table's clean, I have a place to put the mail when I come in, um, and there's nothing I have to do to like pull myself out of this water as far as my home is concerned. It's just one less thing that's right. drowning me. And this has been a battle I have fought for years. It was, it's been a really hard struggle for me because of capacity. I have had a really hard time getting on top of and staying on top of my things, my clutter, and not having that run my life, overwhelm me. I'll tell you what, it's a pretty horrible feeling to come home every day to a home that makes you exhausted by looking at it, that makes you stressed out by looking at it, and that makes you not want to do anything but just go to bed. Right. So, for myself as somebody who struggles with depression, I have realized I cannot have a home that is overwhelming with clutter because it makes it so much worse. I can't have right. a home where I walk in every day and it's instantly overwhelming. I have to create my space to be as less, as little much overwhelm as possible mm -hmm. because that's something I struggle with. Um, so in that case, someone like your, your experience, it would behoove you to literally have fewer belongings. Exactly. Exactly. So the less you have, the less you have to the less know, control I have to manage, and to manage. Yes. The less that can build up and overwhelm me. Mm -hmm. And also, but that's also something I've struggled with because I equated a sense of security to my to, belongings. To items, yes. Um, then also, easy, easy, simple, simple-ass systems. Yes. Because of how easily I overwhelmed in, I am overwhelmed during different seasons of my life. I have to have these systems mm -hmm. in place that are so easy that I can do them 
on the days when you can't function barely am functioning yes so things that are so easy it's not even it's just built in that's so critical and that's something I've had to work really hard and I'm still working on this to continue to improve and implement more systems in my life that make it easier that make that keep it from becoming overwhelming keep my things from becoming overwhelming in the state of my house Um, it's still something I'm working on But if somebody is overwhelmed and drowning right now, where would you suggest that they start? Meaning, like, they want to start themselves, like, do something? They want to start themselves, do something. If you could do something today to be like, ah, yes, I did a thing. I feel better about that one space. I feel better about my house. If you're... If someone is listening and they are overwhelmed by their clutter and frustrated with it but don't know where to start and are overwhelmed by the whole thought of doing it and they want to get started and be able to do something small today, where would you start? Well, that's exactly where I would start is with something small. I always tell people start with something small and prime examples, most people have a coffee table of some sort. And that's a great place to start, just with the top of your coffee table. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very doable, and a lot of coffee tables have food, they have wrappers, they have books, they have laundry, they have everything on it. So just tackle your coffee table, just the top of it. If there are drawers or underneath, don't even bother with that, just the top of it. But look at the difference it will make in the whole room to see a cleared coffee table. Another place you could start is the one drawer in the kitchen that every single client I've ever had has in common. And that is the drawer where we keep the little extra packet of soy sauce from our takeout, the extra chopsticks, the little package of salt and pepper, some rubber bands. Yes. Batteries. (laughs) That drawer. The junk drawer. The drawer that nobody uses those little packets at home. Mm -hmm. You don't use those. You have soy sauce in your fridge. Right. That's one I always tell them, take that and just go dump it upside down in the trash can. So there's there's always places to start. There are places that are doable, but always, always start small. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who is beyond overwhelmed with clutter, like really struggling with extreme clutter, and it, you're, it's to the point you're dysfunctional because of it, your small start is to ask for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And I would interject, even if you don't consider yourself like to the point that you are struggling with extreme clutter or um, into hoarding tendencies, even if you're not at that point. But if you're overwhelmed by your clutter regardless, even if you're like, look around and, hey, I have a pretty average home, but it's a little cluttery. If it is overwhelming to you, and you can't seem to get on top of it yourself and you're struggling with that, ask for help. I love that. Yeah. I also believe everybody, our homes should be our haven. Mm -hmm. That should be the place you want to go to at the end of the day. That should be the place you want loved ones to come and surround you. And so asking yourself, would I want to do that? Is this my haven? Do I love coming home? And the answer to that a lot of times can tell you, well, maybe something right. really needs to be done here. So as we wrap up, um, 
tell the listeners where we can find you and follow you and learn more about Miracle Spaces and how we can get in touch with you. Sure, thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Miracle Spaces. I believe on Facebook it's Miracle Spaces Nashville. Mm -hmm. But you can find me there and message me there. Sherry, thank you so much for coming onto the show and giving us your insight on clutter affecting our mental health and vice versa. And it was a really great conversation with you today. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Anything else you want to leave with the listeners today? I think I would just like to leave a message of hope with people. You don't have to stay under your clutter. Mm. It's possible to get free. There are people Mm -hmm. like me out there to help. And so I would just encourage you to get help, get out from under it, and learn to love your home again. Thank you so much for that. Y'all heard her. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How to Smile Again podcast. I hope you found today's episode to be educational and inspirational. I definitely did, and after this, I'm going to go tackle my own clutter. So my challenge to you this week is ask yourself and look at, is your home your sanctuary? Do you struggle with clutter also? I still do. Um, So my challenge is to tackle one thing, like we talked about in the episode like Sherry mentioned, the coffee table, the junk drawer. One thing, start small, free yourself. Be sure to subscribe to the How to Smile Again podcast for more weekly content on how to go from surviving to thriving. Have a great week, y'all. You got this.